Welcome to Kings. We're in this teaching series, which we're calling the Forgotten Arts. Um, I just wanted to say, I guess at the beginning of it, just picking it up where we've been the last few weeks. It's remembering that actually in each of these things, we're going to talk about these kind of spiritual disciplines, these ways in which we, we open up our relationships to God, and in which all of a sudden we start to realize that this God that we're singing about isn't just, oh, there you are, whoa, the lights. Um, this God that we're singing about isn't just an intellectual process in which it engages with my brain, but it's also something in which Jesus wins my heart and in which I have a personal relationship with him that endures and goes on and I walk on in that personal relationship with God. And so each of these spiritual disciplines in and of themselves are empty. They, they, they don't restore a relationship with God in and of themselves. Only the death and resurrection of Jesus does that. But each of these things enable us to have a deeper, more fruitful relationship with him, to know God and to be known by him. And so Wendy's going to be speaking to one of those today. It's looking all at the idea of scripture. Um, I, I guess I was kind of reminded in my head that so often, you know, I don't know if anyone was in brownies. When I was in brownies, when I was a little girl, I remember <laughs> having to wear the sash that you just put around yourself. And then you collected the badges to be like, yeah, I've done that badge and I've helped someone. So I get the little helping badge and I know how to make a fire. So I get the little fire badge. These spiritual disciplines of, of prayer or fasting or giving or memorizing scripture, they're not badges to collect on your Bible and say, isn't it great? I've fasted now. Or isn't it great? I've now learned a little bit of scripture. That would be a dangerous mentality towards our relationship with God. Of these are things that I've achieved and I've ticked them off before him. We want to cultivate deep, long-lasting relationships with Jesus. And in doing so, these spiritual disciplines, these ways that Jesus tells us, live your life like this, will help. And I, just, I guess before I say we went, there's, there's people in this room that I know have the kind of deep-rooted, cultivated relationships with Jesus that I long for as a, as a guy in my 30s. I look at people that are beyond me in their relationship with Jesus and I say, that's the kind of relationship that I want. And I tell you what, whenever you talk to them or you speak to them, you recognize that their life is full of these spiritual disciplines. These are people who know how to pray. They fast, they read the word, they give. And so I watch that and I think if they engage in those disciplines and they're saying to me, this has helped me grow as a follower of Jesus, I'm going to follow I know Jesus ultimately sets these out before us, and so we long to follow him. Wendy's going to serve us so well in doing that this morning. It's great to be able to have her up and speak in. So let's put our hands together and welcome Wendy. Good morning. Um, so hopefully, we're nearly in February, can you believe it? And for the whole of January, we, as Ollie said, we've been looking through all these different disciplines, things to, to, to work at and go through in our lives, so prayer, fasting, giving, and today we're looking at scripture. And I think what I really hope is that it's been a bit like my journey through this, that it doesn't feel like it's a, a month-long resolution, oh, I've got all this stuff to do, and if I just do this, I'm going to be okay with God, and if I just do this, life's going to be okay. Actually, hopefully, that it's been a bit of a love story unleashing, because as Ollie said, it doesn't matter if you don't pray, if you don't fast, if you don't give, if you don't read the Bible. I mean, it's not going to be a great relationship with God. But, you know, if you love Jesus, that's enough to get into heaven. But God wants so much more. Like, he's got this intimate, such passionate relationship he wants with you. And the only way you get a relationship with someone is spending time with them. So, as Ollie said, there's so many people around that we just, we just feel so privileged to know and be part of a church. 
who just ooze it. You know, you spend time with them, and it's like living water just pouring out of them, that they just know the Word of God, that they pray so much, they're just dedicated in some of these disciplines, that they can't help but just be so more like Jesus than what you know, we desire to be like. And actually, as this series has gone through, I feel like I've been on a bit of a love journey with Jesus, which sounds a bit cheesy, but I feel like the more I've prayed this month, when I've fasted, when I've practiced reading and memorizing scripture, when I've started to really get to grips with it, I've got this real delight and joy. I've started understanding who Jesus is, started understanding the meaning of life, like what's the point of my life, where am I going, who am I, who's God? And actually, as a person, I feel like my life is developing and shaping the way it's, it's planned to be. And then today, I'm talking about memorizing scripture and for those of you who know me, I'm not a bookworm. I don't go to book clubs. I don't spend hours reading books. And I've always struggled with reading the Bible. Like, I know it's important, and I do read it, and I try and get it in my day. But I'm quite lazy with it as well. It's not a thing I've found joy in as such, and especially not memorizing it. So I have read it, but it's been a bit, if you know, there, and I'll do it there, I'll do it there. And I don't always get it into my weeks. And a year ago, if I was to ask to do this, I might have said, oh, I don't know if I'm the right person, or I'm not sure if I've got anything to offer. But as a life group, um, me and some girls, we've been going through for over a year now, looking at how we step out, how we share our faith with other people who don't know Jesus, how, how we like get that Holy Spirit, how we get closer to God. And it has just been an absolute mind-boggling revelation that you can't get to know God unless, you know, really, unless you understand his word. Like if I'm going out there trying to witness and trying to bless people and I haven't got God's like, word on my heart, I haven't got much to offer, if I'm honest, just sort of my life experience. And the more I spend time reading the Bible, I realize how powerful it is, how just it is so important in getting closer to God. So I'm hoping this morning, as we look at memorizing scripture, that, that passion that you realize, that Ollie said at the very beginning of this series, we've got a desire to want to get closer to God. We've got this hunger. But we've got to go through a season of discipline. We've got to fight for it. We've got to like, make sure that we put things in place so that we get a place where we are reading the Bible, that we are praying, we're doing all of these things, so that we develop our relationship with God, that we get this delight and this joy of knowing God so much more. And I have found this really hard. As I said, I'm not a bookworm. Um, last time I memorized something when I was at school, I remember learning lines in a school play, history dates, and learning quotes for my English, etc. I haven't done much memorizing since my GCSEs, and actually I'm a bit rusty on it. And so as I've been learning how to memorize scripture, I realize it's something for me that I've really got to work at. And there have been days when I've kind of got lazy and thought, I can't be bothered anymore. And I've had to push through and think, no, I really need this. And a book I was reading um, by an American author called Charles Swindle just really spurred me on. And he says, Bible memorizing is a fundamental way of filling our minds with what it needs. Prayer life strengthened, witnessing sharper and more effective, attitude and outlook changed, confidence and assurance enhanced, and faith solidified. And when I read this, I thought, yeah, who doesn't want their prayer life strengthened? 
I want to be a better, sharper witness when I see people who don't know Jesus. I want my outlook and outlook changed in life. Like, yes, I'm going to do this. So I pressed through because I thought this is important. I want to get to a place where I'm so much more intimate with Jesus that I'm willing to commit to this and work through this so I can get there. And today we're going to be looking at Matthew 4. And I thought I didn't want to be someone on stage saying, yeah, it's great to memorize scripture. I never do it. And I thought I'm going to try and memorize it. And it's been really tough, but I have really enjoyed it. And the brain is just amazing because when you actually learn something, it's just there. So I haven't said this um, verse out for a while, like a couple of days. And then when I did it in the nine, I was like, my goodness, I still know this. This is so good. And so it's really important to memorize scripture. And just before we read Matthew 4, a little tip I've um, really got excited about as well is when you read just a verse in the Bible, you've got to understand the context. If you don't know what happened before and what's going after, who it was written, where it fits in, like it's just a verse and you can take it out of context. We need to make sure we understand where it fits into the whole story of the Bible. And Matthew 4 starts off with the word then. Now, if you read the word then, but, suddenly, you think, what happened last? Because if I don't know what happened last, I'm not sure if I'm on the same page as where everyone else is with this chapter. So if you read Matthew 3, Jesus, well, John the Baptist was there, baptizing people, preparing the way, saying that there was someone coming, someone who was going to come and rescue everybody. And suddenly Jesus turns up, Jesus gets baptized, and when he comes out the water, the whole heavens open, God says, this is my son. That's what that then means. It's always good to know what a then means. So suddenly we're like, wow, what did Jesus go and do? He's just got baptized, heavens opened, he's been proudly declared, this is God's son, what's happening next? And this is like that part in a film where the battle scene has started. Jesus, he's our warrior, he's our hero. He's just been declared God's son. He's come out of that water. He is confident, he knows who he is, and he's about to meet his enemy, the devil. And you think, oh, what's going to happen next? So as we get into Matthew 4, hopefully we're all excited to see what's happening. Now, if I make some mistakes, I apologize. It's my third time this morning, um, but I have tried to memorize this. So here goes. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter came and he said to him, if you are the son of God, command these loaves to become, uh, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And he replied, it is written, man shall not live upon bread alone, but instead he will, um, Man shall not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then Jesus, I've got more, I've got more. <laughs> then Jesus was taken to the holy city and he was set on the pinnacle of the temple. And the devil came and he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and in their hand they will bear you up, lest your foot strikes a stone. Jesus replied, it is written, you shall not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil came and took Jesus up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glories. And he said, all this I will give you if you fall down, bow down and worship me. Jesus replied, 
Be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall, not, um, you shall love the Lord your God, and in him only shall you serve. Then the devil left, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, for those of you who know me, no, that was hard. <laughs> so, um, so it is doable, and we'll talk through some practical things of how do you memorize scripture in a bit. But I really want us to have a look at Jesus, because it's great looking at Jesus. And in Matthew 4, we can see from his example that he knows the word. He says, it is written. He knows. He's prepared himself. He's gone into the wilderness by the Spirit. He's gone in there. He's in this battle scene, and he knows he is going to get tempted by the devil. And the devil comes at him, and he says, it is written. He knows. He knows what's in that Bible. What is interesting, though, is knowing that the devil also knows. Because he, one time, the devil says, it is written. And he quotes Psalm 91. Now, if Jesus didn't know Scripture, he might have gone, oh, yeah, it does say that. Okay, I'll jump. Um, but if you read Psalm 91, you realize the devil has taken it out of context. Because Psalm 91 is talking about God being somewhere of a shelter, of a refuge, a protector. It doesn't say go out and test God and jump off a building. It doesn't say that. And Jesus knew that. So when the devil kept saying, it is written, he knew it wasn't. And he just told him to go. <laughs> and I like it. Then the devil left. He knew he had no battle there. He knew that he was fighting against someone who knew scripture. He knew, the, he knew God's word. And he had a losing battle ahead of him. And so many times when we have competitions, no, conversations with people, and we want to care for people, we want to pastor people, so many times we find ourselves, I'm sure, because I do, where we go from previous experiences and say, oh, well, yeah, I went through something like that a few years ago. How much more stronger would it be to be like Jesus? And rather than just going from our personal experiences, going through what the Bible says, it is written. Do you know this truth? And this truth will set you free. Such power in the word of God. We need to be using it in the way we care and minister to each other. Now, Jesus was led into the spirit, um, in, by the spirit into the wilderness. And sometimes we do find ourselves in places where we know that the Holy Spirit has taken us into a place where he's like, come back, come on. You just need some solitude. You just need to spend some time with me. Stop listening to what your friends are saying or your family or the TV and just come and be with me. And I found that actually I've been really challenged by this, that Ollie's been out a few nights over the last couple of weeks and where I'd normally just be like, oh, I'm tired and watch TV, that I've actually gone, no, I'm going to read God's word. And I've had the best evenings in. Like I've literally opened up the Bible, I've got my highlighters and my shiny pens, and I have just gone to town with the Bible. And by the end of the night, I've gone to bed like just loving Jesus. Like I've had the best dinner date with Jesus. And I thought, what would I have watched on telly? Something that would have made me feel rubbish. You know, like how much better it is to soak up this living, active word in our lives, just like Jesus did. And sometimes we go through wilderness times where we are tempted, we are struggling, we are feeling attacked, and they're hard. And we're like, gosh, I don't know what is truth or what isn't truth, and how do I get out of this? And that's why it's really important in those times to know that Ephesians 6 talks about the sword of the Spirit being the Word of God, and it being a powerful Word of God. 
And this week, I've needed this. I've had, we had a really tough week, and school's been, I work in a school, and it's been particularly hard. And on Thursday morning, I sat in my car, and I just felt my head was heavy. I thought, I don't want to go to work. I just want to go somewhere else. <laughs> I don't want to put up with everything I've got to work through this week. It's too much. And I could have sat in my car feeling, woe me, everything sucks, all day, to be honest. I was quite happy in my little pity party. But because I'd had these amazing dinner dates with Jesus, and I'd like stored up his, you know, his word in my heart, I remembered I got this with me. And it was like I got in my car, and I got my powerful word of the Spirit, you know, the power of God out. And I was like, it is written. I am a child of God. It is written. God is good. It is written. I have purpose for the day. It is written. God is with me. And suddenly, as I started to declare truth about who God is, what I'm doing today, God, I was pumped. I went into school singing, dancing. <laughs> it was like a whole different day had begun. But we have to do that regularly. And if I had nothing in there, I'd have to try and remember back to, oh, what did, what did they say on Sunday? What did that person say? Oh, I can't remember that verse. But if it's stored, it's there. It's your weapon. You're ready to fight. You're ready to declare that truth and go out there. And Colossians 3 verse 2 talks about fixing our eyes on things above. Put our mind on things above. And you see lots of pictures of buildings, and people have just looked at it from this angle. And sometimes, if you go down to this angle, and you look up and take it, I mean, the building looks slightly different, but your eyes are fixed up. Suddenly you realize that building in front isn't as big as you thought. Because beyond it, there's sky, there's clouds, there's the heavens, there's God. There's everything up there. And as soon as we fix our eyes above, our mind above, suddenly the, the whole outlook looks different. But it's not all about battle. Like, a lot of us probably have great days and, and good times. And we love the Lord and everything's good. And in those times, it's not about getting sloppy and going, oh, well, I know the Lord, I don't need to read my Bible. But how much more do we want this intimate relationship with Jesus? Like, it's work, it's hard work, this discipline of learning and reading and having to really fight for that time. But the more we do it, the more intimacy we develop with God, the more we understand who he is, the more we understand the purpose of life, of our life, of who God is, who Jesus is. And that should be our ultimate desire. The world offers so many things that are unhelpful, and one of them is meditation. Like, take everything out. Just relax there and clear your mind. Empty that mind, take everything out. And that all seems good, because when you're going through it, like, why do you want to think about it anymore? You just want to get rid of it. But God gives us another way. He wants us to fill our minds. Fill our minds with truth. Fill our minds, meditate on God's living word. Because if we're storing up who we are, the freedom, the hope it is to know Jesus, we're storing that up, it's going to set us free. It's going to give us a different purpose. And there's two amazing verses, one in Psalm 1 verse 2, and one in Josh verse 8, Joshua 8, 1 verse 8, talking about meditating on the word day and night. And those people who do, they are like a tree that yields fruit. Everything they do prospers and gives us good success. Don't we want to be those people in life who success? Not that we're going to suddenly read the Bible and win the lottery tomorrow. I'm not talking about that success. I'm talking about that 
that inner success, you know, that waking up and knowing why you're living today, what hope you have for tomorrow, who Jesus is, why you are, who you are, what's going to happen. That is just something we all yearn for, and we can get that by spending time with God. So how do we do this? Either you might be an expert and you know the whole Bible and you're just sitting there thinking, I do this anyway. Or you're like me and you look at the Bible and you think, it's a big book, where do I begin? You think, what do I do? And um, it's having a plan, first thing. I think for me, I've made excuses all my life, if I'm honest, about I've got no time, I can't do this, my brain doesn't store memory, I can't remember things, blah, 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 blah. I love making excuses. And the first thing I think is just committing and saying, God, I'm going I'm to make a plan. I'm going to read this verse and I'm going to learn this verse. Or I'm going to read this chapter and I'm going to learn this chapter. And it's working out what works for you. So I was speaking to Judith in the nine o'clock this morning and we were just talking about it and she's learned Psalm 1. And the reason she learned it is because she's reading a book and it was a psalm that they suggested learning as she was like looking into a certain topic. So there might be things you're going through that you just think, I just need some more of that. I really need some strength or I'm really feeling like I need God as my refuge. Well, get some verses on God as your refuge. If you just want a really good book, Ollie um, shared a verse in worship in the nine o'clock from Philippians. And as he was sharing, it, I was like, I love that verse. I'm going to learn it. Um, it might be some verses you heard during worship that you just think, yeah, that's a good one. It might be that you just start on Matthew. Start, start Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Just pick a book. Just make a plan. And then do it for the right reason. So choose to do it for the right reason. Don't do it for some you know, religious, oh, I have to do this to get right with God. That isn't the case. It should be a joy. It's hard, but it leads to joy. It leads to a benefit, a deeper understanding of who Jesus is. It's that daily triumph every day over sin. It's that intimacy of gazing up and seeing him more clearly. But also that power to witness. When we go out and we want to share God's love with others, that we've got that truth ready that God's going to use it on our hearts. So, and then commit. Today, make a commitment to God. Make a commitment to people in your life groups or friends that you've come with and say, I'm going to do this. Challenge me in a couple of weeks' time. I'm going to learn this verse. And actually make a promise. You know, pray over it. Ask Holy Spirit to help you and declare it to God. So I'm going to do this today. And um, it's been really interesting how God works because um, part of my performance management at school, I'm a maths teacher and head of a department, and one of my um, things I've got to try and improve is retention, and I've got to look into how do people learn things? Like, why are we doing all these lessons, and then they get to the exams and they don't remember anything? Like, where's the gaps? What's going wrong? So I've had to read up on lots of Christian and non-Christian books on retention, on how do we memorize things. So it's been really interesting. Um, and all of them conclusively say that it's more than one sense. If you are just writing or just reading something, it's not going to really stick as well as using more than one sense. So if you're reading it out loud, and then maybe you write it again, maybe you listen to it on a podcast or on the Holy Bible app, or if you sing a song about it, or if you do lots of writing and jotting around your Bible about it, maybe you've got the key verses around your room or your house and so you're seeing it, um, maybe you're acting it or you're signing it out. Like if you're doing more than one thing, it's going to more than likely stick than if you just say it once. 
And just like that word then in Matthew 4, it's thinking, where does it fit into the Bible? Because if you just learn one Bible verse, you're a bit like the devil in that you kind of got that verse, which is in the Bible, but you could totally take it out of context and it would be unhelpful. It's really helpful to get the bigger picture. Who wrote it? Who were they writing it for? Is it, where does it fit into the whole story of the Bible? Is it creation? Is it the fall? Is it God's redemption plan? Is it his restoration plan? Because that's really helpful to get the bigger picture, understanding what's going on. And on a practical level, level, for those of you who know me, I like my paper calendars. I haven't quite transitioned onto everything phone. And I, I just think with this, it's, it's, it's making it work for you. But practically, it's really helpful. So for me, I, wanted, I knew I wanted to learn Matthew 4, and I thought it's quite a big text. And I haven't done this for a while. So I looked at the calendar, and I worked out how many days I thought realistically it was going to take me. So there was, I learned 15 verses how many days am I going to need for 15 verses? And then I ruled off some days. So I learned it just before Christmas. I started to learn just before Christmas. So there were certain days that I crossed off the calendar because I thought I'm realistically not going to do it. So don't set yourself unrealistic goals. Don't say you're going to read your Bible in a year and then by January the 20th realize you've just really struggled with that and you give up. Set yourself a realistic target. I'm going to learn one verse and I'm going to try and do it every day this week because this week I can do that. Like Just commit to something. And I kind of realized that for me, I needed to learn it for today. And that pressure was helpful. Like, give God a date. Say, God, I'm going to make sure I know whatever by this date. Because then you're not going to, like, get distracted or think, oh, I'll do it next year. Like, you're going to really push yourself forward. And the way I did it, I tried one method um, where you basically read one verse out and you read it out 10 times. So you start reading it, reading it, reading it, hiding it, reading it, hiding it. Um, and you do that on day one. On day two, I did the exact same thing. I read verse one, and then I got onto verse two. And I read it, and I read it, and I read it, and I read it, and I read it 10 times. And I did that every day. And it started building up. And it was am- like the brain is amazing. When you start memorizing stuff and it actually sticks, you're like, oh. Okay, this is great. Um, And I found it wasn't enough just to do it in the morning, read it 10 times. I had it written out. I had it written out on the fridge. I had it written out in the car. I had it on my computer at school. I had it on my phone screen. I tried to put it everywhere I could so that I remembered, oh, yeah, I'm learning this. I'm learning this. Oh, yeah, that's it. It starts off with that. And it just jogged my memory. Another useful tip I tried was um, on my phone, there's a voice recording app thing, and um, I recorded myself three times saying Matthew 4. And every time I got stuck at a traffic light, which seems to be a lot in Eastbourne, uh, I just pressed play, and I, it was painful listening to yourself three times saying Matthew 4, but I just, it just kept going. <laughs> I just kept going on. Um, and it, I found that to be the most effective thing. And one article I read said that we're really good at listening to ourselves because the frequency we hear our voice back is higher than ever people hear. And so it sort of wakes us up and we have to listen. So I found that I was really good at listening to myself. (laughs) Um, So I found that really useful. So it was hard. This has been a hard discipline I've had to work through. But I found it joyful getting there and really happy that God's working it through. Another way I did was um, a first letter technique where you write the first letter down of every word and then it kind of uses two senses. So you're trying to remember a verse 
And then you look at the letter and you think, oh, what is that word? And that really helped me as well. So I thought, what better way than us today, this morning, try and learn a verse together? Because we need, we've got a battle going on, and we need this power in our minds, this truth to say, I'm going to fight this, I'm going to do this. So we're going to look at Hebrews 4, verse 12. And we're not going to read it 10 times, because that will take up the rest of the morning. But we're going to read it three times, out loud, all together, and see how far we get on with memorizing Hebrews 4. So, everyone ready? So, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Number two, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Three, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of our heart. And on the next slide, this is what I mean by the first letter technique. So this is the same verse, but just with the first letter, the ands I've done in blue, and I've put a few little pictures to prompt us. So we're going to try it. I know we've only done it three times. We'll see how far we get. So are we ready? The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing... Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Very nice, good. So as you can see, like we've, we've just read that three times, and I was going to stop just on the first sentence, but I thought, no, we're going to do the whole verse. And as you can see, the first bit, I think everyone was happy up to the two-edged two sword, and then it kind of went a bit quiet, and a few people weren't sure. But the more you practice, and you put this around, and you start seeing it, you start memorizing it, pictures might help, this method might help, it's just that repetition. And suddenly, when you kind of think, oh, I can't bother to read my Bible, you can almost get that sword out and be like, no, it's powerful. It's as strong as a double-edged sword. And you can, you can say, it is written. <laughs> say that first, and it should motivate you to read your Bible. So just to finish off, really, another um, American author, preacher, called John Piper, talks about Filling our mind is what it, with what it needs, so it comes out of your mouth. And in here, I've got some water. So amazingly, when I pour it into my cup, no magic trick, water comes out. Okay? If we're filled, not just with water, but if we're filled with the living and active Word of God, then when we're knocked, the living and active God come, Word of God comes out. When we're struggling and we don't know what to do, the living and active word comes out. When we're like trying to tell someone how amazing Jesus is, the living and active word comes out. When we're wanting to pray and care for a tricky situation with friends or family, the living and active word comes out. Whatever's in our heart is going to come out. 
Jesus said, it is written. The devil said, it is written. And he, come, he will come to you and he will try and convince you that it is written. But we know from that story that the devil takes it completely out of context. People in the world might come up. They might not say, it is written. But they'll come up and they'll tell you lies. They'll tell you things that you think, oh, well, maybe that's true. But we need to be people who have the heart, that we love God, that we know that it is written. We want to read this Bible. So when we go out there, we can say, it is written. That we have this deep sense of love in our heart. That we have this deep sense of who Jesus is. That this hunger for such a delight and in our intimacy with God. That when we're living life through good and through bad, we've got our sword of the Spirit in our hand saying, it is is written. God is good. I know how I'm going to deal with this today. So as the band come up, I'd just love to finish by praying. Thank you, Jesus, that your word is living and active. Thank you, it's not some dusty old book on a shelf with no help or meaning, but it transforms our life. It is our food, it is our bread, it is our water, it is everything. And the more we devour it, the more we get hungry, the more we eat it, the more we chew it, the more we read it, the more we memorize it, the more we know you, Jesus, the more like you we will become. I pray you help us, Lord God, to be people who are hungry, hungry to know you, hungry for your word, hungry for so much more that you've got. Help us not be lazy. Holy Spirit, come and help us when we're lazy to fight through, to say, no, this is a double-edged sword. This is powerful, and this is going to transform my life, Jesus. Thank you for your living word. Amen.